Good morning. This is Eric Tash here for another episode of Worthy for 30. I am pleased to introduce my next guest, uh, Craig Dubitsky, who is the founder of Hello Products. I met Craig a, a couple years ago, thanks to uh, a great mutual friend, Marnie Gordon, who was also my first guest for this podcast. Welcome, Craig. We're pleased to have you on the show. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Still my favorite word. And thanks, thanks <laughs> so much for having absolutely. me. Absolutely. So before we get started, Craig, I just want to give you and the listeners just a grounding in Worthy for 30 and its premise. Uh, Worthy for 30, I found the Worthy for 30 because I saw a huge opportunity to really showcase the business leaders uh, and executives, founders, CMOs, CEOs who are doing good and giving back while pursuing success, knowing these concepts aren't mutually exclusive. So as I was racking my brain on who would be some of these great business leaders and, and forward thinkers and people who have very are well-articulated core values, I thought of you, Craig. And before I start my line of questioning in the conversation, we'd love to uh, get your background on, on Hello and how you got here. Sure. Wow. First of all, just again, thanks for having me and super cool for you to highlight something that's a little bit different than the usual stuff that we hear about with entrepreneurs or just business people in general. I just had to throw that out there. But super quick background on me. I started Hello about, wow, I've lost language and uh, the ability to tell time. I think about 11 years ago, which is hard to believe. And uh, I started the company in lovely Montclair, New Jersey with three people and a dog. And over the course of those 11 years, Hello became the fastest selling, fastest growing natural oral care brand in the U.S. And ultimately, we were able to join forces with Colgate at the very end of January of 2020, just before the world changes. We know it with pandemic stuff. That's a little bit about Hello. And we make all sorts of amazing products. They're vegan. They're cruelty-free. They're very carefully sourced. We know the fourth generation farmers, they're, it's actually a women-owned farm in Oregon that grow the mint that's in our products. We're really thoughtful about where and how we source and how we make the products. And the other big thing about Hello, apart from the thoughtfulness about the ingredients, it's also the way it looks and feels and sounds. So it's not so much uh, an exercise in traditional branding. It's like we, we really wanted to create something that was truly mm -hmm. friendly and had a personality and a purpose. And part of that purpose, the, the personality I think is pretty clear when you see and you touch and you interact with the products and you read the copy. I'm the guy who writes like 99% of the copy. So <laughs> it's coming from a pretty mm -hmm. authentic place. But the purpose part really is important. It was to make products that were as natural as we could make them, but make them affordable for everybody. So I like to say we're for the 100%, not for the 1%. And intentionally, I didn't say for the 99%. So that's a little bit about Hello. And before that, because I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, I was involved with a bunch of other brands, a brand called EOS, which really was, I think, most well-known for a spherical-shaped lip balm that I was part of a pretty cool team to help create and launch. And before that, I had identified and led the original investment in Method, a household cleaning products brand that you know really changed the game in terms of bringing design and natural ingredients to the household cleaning products category. And yeah, I don't know. And before that, I was a trader and a derivatives trader, and I hated it. All my friends were writers and musicians and creators. They were all much happier than I was, and I realized that's exactly what made me happy too, not 
trading derivatives or base metals or currencies. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's my that's kind of my thing. Excellent. Yeah. So so again, a lifelong entrepreneur. You've had a couple yeah. stops along the way. Most recently, founded Hello eleven years ago. Exited or or was bought by Colgate. You're still operating Hello independently, right? I see Hello. Yeah, it's pretty cool. People say they're like, oh, you had an exit. You had an exit, and I actually flipped that and I said, we didn't have an exit, we had an entrance <laughs> because we were doing great. We continue to do great and growing in a really amazing stretch before we became part of Colgate. We went from like 18,000 doors, maybe 19,000 to 45,000 doors of distribution. And we had this like major growth spurt. And, and the thing that was so cool about Colgate was, and very few people know this, but Colgate is the single most penetrated brand mm-hmm. in the world. Like, the U.S. isn't even Colgate's biggest market. Wow. That's how big Colgate is. So 67, I think, 0.7, I think that's the number, 67.7% of every household wakes up with Colgate in it. And the next nearest brand is like 40%, which is a pretty big delta. So for me, I'm like, no, we didn't have an exit. Like We make these great products, and now we're partnered with the biggest oral care company on the planet. That's in 200 plus countries. That's awesome. So I'm out of my mind. I'm like, this is great. So yeah, we're looking at it more like an entrance. We just launched in Canada within the past 12 months, Chile. We just launched the UK a few months ago, Australia and New Zealand, like a couple of weeks ago, a lot more to come. And yes, we operate independently, but I also have this other cool role because when you're the founder, you're always the founder, even if you do something else, you're still like, oh yeah, you were the founder of that thing. So I'm still the founder and still incredibly active and hello, understatement, but I also have this other role. I'm the chief innovation strategist for Colgate, which is really cool because now I've got a team of 35,000 people in something like 215 countries around the world. So it's super cool. I'm basically insanely yeah, lucky. Yeah, it's a, as you mentioned, it's a, a creator's, it sounds like a creator's paradise. Yeah. It's, you, you keep that agility great. of being at a startup and you pair it with a, a legacy company like Colgate, Colgate, again, which you mentioned is the largest penetrated brand in the world, which is fascinating. And the resources that you are, that, that are now at your disposal is just tremendous. So to pair those two, it's. Oh, it's. Yeah, I'm like a kid in a candy shop, basically. And you know, last I checked, candy isn't exactly good for your teeth, so it's terrific. I get to create cavities. No, just no, no kidding. Cavities. No cavities. Yeah, it's fabulous. Literally, it's it's great. I think the dirty little secret is most entrepreneurs and startups they don't want to stay small. They want to they want to be a big company, and a lot of big companies wish they could be more entrepreneurial. So it's just this interesting tension. And the thing is, it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be a tension. It could be an ignition point. It could just, if treated properly, it could take everything to incredible new heights. So that's why I'm as fired excellent, up. Excellent, excellent. And one thing, when we first met, the first thing that that I that caught my eye before, again, before we first met, back I think it was two, three years ago, was in your LinkedIn headline. It says people twice, and you draw people's attention <laughs> to say, "Hey, I mentioned people twice." Can you speak to, again, this about this whole concept of giving back and doing good, your core values and why people yeah. is part of your core value? Yeah, people are everything. I said that in my LinkedIn profile because it was just true for me. I hate, and hate is a very strong word, and I won't tamp it down or temper it down. I really have a, a, like an allergy to this word consumer. 
I really can't stand it. So I, I'm always talking about people because as soon as you start labeling, oh, they're consumers, they're the target, they're this or that, they're millennials, they're zillennials. Like I hate labels because I think they create distance. Some people use them as a way to clarify or create uh, connectivity or tribes. I'm like, we're more connected than we've ever been in a lot of ways and yet more disconnected in so many really important ways. And I think when you start creating labels, it creates problems. So I love people and I think people write their narratives through their actions and their things. And in many cases, the things that they surround themselves with are almost a proxy for actions that they wish they could take and maybe mm -hmm. can't. So it's not just like, hey, we vote with our wallet or a pocketbook kind of thing. It's a little bit more than that. So yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with people. And I feel like as someone who likes brand and product and design as much as I do, I think people have been basically given some less than thoughtful designs and mm -hmm. products over the years. So that's why I'm so obsessed with people, because when you focus on people, you'll figure out ways to make amazing things mm -hmm. for them. <laughs> you know, you can't figure that out in a vacuum. You can't just read a third party research report and say, oh, I've uncovered an insight. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say you can't. I guess you can. And some people do. But I don't think a lot of those insights are necessarily the most thoughtful necessarily. So, yeah, people are, are everything. Excellent. Again, I appreciate that background. But can you apply that to the people that you come in touch with, you come in contact with on a daily basis, your colleagues? This, you know, again, you mentioned, I've seen sure. interviews where you mentioned your CEO is your partner in business. Love to just understand when you say... Yeah, yeah, partner and friendly. That's what I say. Business. I didn't even say business. Par yeah, partner, partner and friendly. And, friendly. Yeah. and it's not work for hello, it's work with hello. Yeah, I can't take that. This whole like working for people. It, it, when I started hello, I didn't want any titles at all because I thought titles, again, are labels and mm -hmm. they get in the way. Now, unfortunately, I had liberated quite a few folks from a very large organization when hello was just, you know, a, a tiny Mm -hmm. glimmer. And I think some people might have wanted a title because they were used to a trajectory career-wise. I was like, a career? What's that? I, I, I like these words just boggle my mind. I don't want a career. I want to have a life. Like, what do you do for a living? To me, is a loaded question. What do I do for a living? I breathe. <laughs> I eat, I make sure to hydrate. Right. Oh, you mean to pay the bills? Oh, like why are those things separate? What you do to keep you alive versus what you do to pay the bills? Like it should all be living. And when you start titling and labeling again, it gets a little messy. So yeah, people, if I can't stress that anymore, right. <laughs> my head will explode. And when we started, like, how did I start thinking about people and business a little bit differently? I think that's part of what you're asking. And I have some fun examples, like apart from not wanting titles, there's a Skype button on the Hello website and it's real and it comes directly to me. And I turned it off now because we're talking, but I get pinged all the time from all over the world, actually. More often than not, I find a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of students as well, which is great because I was a student and an entrepreneur and a student entrepreneur. So it's great to, to meet people and watch them be shocked that there's someone there at a brand they like or are curious about who will actually pick up and listen to them for real in real time, where it's not a bot. It's not just a DM on Instagram or something or something that seems like a kind of canned response. Maybe an agency is doing it. No, it's real. It really comes to me. I pick it up. Um, so things like that, I think, change the attitude, mm -hmm. to use a word, of the company and the way we approach 
the people that we engage with. I, I like to say if we do things right, people don't buy hello, they join hello. And they're like, where has this been my whole life? Like, I get it. And it's the same with people that don't just join the brand as someone who is purchasing it and brushing with it or using it as we have hello deodorant and other things too. It's true for the people that, that join our team that, that are coming in every day or working remotely every day to help us make better things for more people. I like to say they don't have a job. This is what they do. And our job is to figure out what people mm-hmm. love and then figure out what we need as a business and making sure that those two things mesh up properly. So then no one feels like they're coming to work, like it's a job. They're like, I'm doing what I love and what I love actually helps Hello be better at what it needs to do. And along those lines, just again, talking about people more. So when I was writing up our HR term, I also really have issues with, I'm like, we're humans, not resources, we're humans. So I I don't call it an employee handbook. I'm like an employee that again, like creates distance. That's not in our, we have a user's guide to hello, basically. So in this document, which then had to be touched by legal people, because that's unfortunately Mm -hmm. the world we live in, I had to push for all sorts of things. So things I felt were interesting, or as we like to say, interesting, and in keeping with our values. And an example, I have a few of every year, everyone hello gets, there's a small stipend it's enough to get a really like nice pair of running shoes or walking shoes or something like basically you can get a new pair of shoes on below mm-hmm. every year and for, for health purposes, hopefully, but you can, you can spend the money on whatever you want for, for your shoes, but hopefully you're getting something where you can walk more, you could run more, you could bike more, whatever it is. We have a policy where if you foster a dog, we have money for you to help pay for the things or, or, or any animal, I shouldn't just say for a dog, to foster that animal, to, to pay for what's needed for the dog or the cat or other animal. We haven't had anything other than mm-hmm. dogs or cats, but as far as I know, but if someone wants to get iguanas or something, have at it. I don't know if there's a big <laughs> iguana fostering movement, but if there is, we're game for that. And if you adopt the pet, then we have additional funds for you to everything from vet visit up front to food and toys mm-hmm. and things like that. Just all sorts of things like that. And we don't really, it's funny, I don't think I've ever really talked about this. It's just stuff we did because I wanted to do it and I thought it was cool. And I can tell you during the pandemic, my wife and daughter, we fostered 39, I think it was, it might've been 38 cats. We have a dog. Now Now we have three foster fails. I'm a dog person. Now I have three cats. And two of them like figured out that I'm the guy who doesn't like cats. And now they've made me like really not <laughs> like cats, but love cats. These cats are like, we're going to show you we're awesome. We're going to prove every thought you ever had about cats wrong. So we do things like that because it's really, it's important to just be open-minded and willing to do things that frankly we think are the right things to do, just appropriate and kind and right. To, again, to foster this, not to, you know, no pun intended, but to foster this whole concept of, again, don't think of what you do outside of work or during work as two separate concepts. They're one and the same. Yeah, it's living. If you need to take a vacation, we did something wrong. If you want to take a vacation, Mm -hmm. you go. Have at it. That's beautiful. Send us a postcard. Let us know so that I don't show up on that beach wearing a Borat (laughs) bathing suit or something and scare you. Yeah, it's it's just a different kind of vibe. People would ask, they'd be like, what's your dress code? Is there a dress code? And I would say, yes. (laughs) They would say, what is it? 
<laughs> that's if you drive naked, just be sure to put something on. We don't have a dress code. Like the, the dress code is wear something that's comfortable for you. If you're walking across our parking lot uh, barefoot or riding your bike barefoot to work, and we have a bike tune-up fund too for people, then just be mindful. You don't want to bleed all over the, the floors here because that could be not good for you and could uh, create a, a slip and fall hazard for others. Yeah, I'm kidding. But yeah, there's it's just being people-centric constantly mm-hmm. and uh, and tweaking it and fine-tuning it to make sure people are comfortable so that they can do their best work. Like my job is to try to magnetize things so the coolest, smartest, best people could come here and do their coolest, smartest, best stuff instead of the word work and let it rip. Allow them to do what they were hired to do. And of course, give them the latitude to explore and, and to more like a Montessori approach. Again, you're hired to do innovation, but that doesn't preclude you from doing ops or consumer insights. So there's We found that some of the best ideas came from folks who weren't in those discrete disciplines. Like the, the coolest marketing idea could come from somebody in mm-hmm. supply chain. It doesn't always work that way, but you'd be amazed. And if, if you give people an audience and license, and to use another word, sort of agency to go mm-hmm. be creatively minded about everything, you'll unleash incredible opportunities. And people will feel very engaged and heard and part of something. And that's the greatest. Like, who doesn't want to feel like they're really part of something? No, it It absolutely does. And if you were able to, if you're able to like, to boil down these core values that you hold dear, that you articulate or impress upon hello and any of the startups that you founded or you advise, what would those be? What would those three core values, if you were able to articulate them be? I think is really big. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's so huge. Kind to people kind to the planet, they, they almost seem trite because they're so obvious. So I feel a little guilty saying them. That's why I was chuckling. But being kind and thoughtful and considered and considerate and then figuring out how to make things that are beautiful. Like things don't have to, and, and by things, that could be a process you have. It could be the packaging you choose, the design of the packaging, the language you use. Everything communicates is something I say all the time. Like, just know that everything you're putting out there, whether that's a product, a brand message, an inter-office memo, like, it doesn't really matter what it is. Everything has a lot of layers to it, whether you think it does or it doesn't. People are, are brilliant, basically, I think. And they pick up on everything. And you have to try to keep elevating your approach and your process and what you create to realize the fact that people are awesome mm-hmm. and they should have every available good thing you can help provide them with kind. If you're not kind and you're not thoughtful, you won't get to unleash any of that stuff. So you have to be a good listener and be empathic. And that's part of being kind. So that's, if there were one word, that would be it. And I guess because I started hello and I'm really serious about what and how we do what we do, the word I used really to define and describe so many things was mm-hmm. friendly. Yeah, like friendly was a way to capture a lot of the stuff I just said in one word. Because kind is good, but with all due respect to Kind Bars and Daniel Lebetsky, who's fabulous and terrific company and brand and stuff, kindness is sorely needed and friendliness is really needed too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I would say. Excellent, excellent. My 
think this is going to be my last question. So you, you talk about uh, purpose-driven and being kind and, and friendly and considerate and really setting the example for the people around you who work with you, who you come in contact with. And one thing that I was thinking about before we got on the phone today or on the podcast is Tony Shea, the late Tony Shea and Zappos. And the reason why I think about Tony Shea and Zappos mm-hmm. is because Tony Shea had this concept or this uh, hypothesis that if you have a culture or business that is predicated on customer service, it's profit driving versus something that's profit dilutive. Some businesses think that customer service should be relegated to one part of the business, but he was showing that anyone who's empowered to be a a forward-facing or, sorry, a people-facing person, I I call myself a Mm -hmm. people-facing person, can make a tremendous impact both on the people they come in contact with as well as the people they work with. Do you think that's one, I would love to get your perspective on that viewpoint, and two, can it be replicated? Can it be more art than science or science than art? I would say yes to all of it. So is an important understatement, at least in my book, because going back to to something I I mentioned before, this idea that people don't just buy things, Mm -hmm. they join things. They want to feel connected to something. And not all customer service is about complaints. We get love letters from people. Who ever sent a love letter to their toothpaste company? Mm-hmm. But we get them. And guess what? We write back. Mm-hmm. We write back. And usually it's me. <laughs> and when we start e-commerce, I, I literally looked at every order and I tried to come up with some point of connection. Either I'd write something about what they actually ordered or the state they lived in, maybe I knew somebody or had some personal connection to it. I, I try to like not do some, because people have a bullshit meter. I wouldn't just cut and paste or write the same crap every time. I was like, no, I got to I gotta see what they bought. And sometimes I'd throw something else in there, a little joke or do something. And people would be like, I can't believe these guys actually wrote a note and put it in the box. <laughs> Someone actually from Colgate told me, like, I looked to see what every order was. And I saw somebody from Colgate ordered our product and I wrote a really nice note. In the and I put in the box saying like how much I love Tom's of Maine is a great brand and Colgate's terrific and I grew up on Colgate and I was like if there's ever anything I can you know give you like uh, you're welcome to order product but I'm happy to hook you up and and someone at Colgate told me that they had gotten this note from me and they and it was a senior person who I guess had someone else on their team order product and the person came into them and said oh my god the founder wrote me a note what should I do. And she said, why don't you write back to him? Call him up or something. I don't know. I don't know. Like more good things have happened just from putting out just honesty and kindness in the world. As, again, as trite as that may sound mm-hmm. or hallmarky as that may sound. When also we first started, I wanted our website originally just to be a prompt. If you came onto our URL, I wanted there to be a prompt. Do you want to turn your camera and say hello? And people were like, you can't do that. Like, why not? Technically, I can't do that or I shouldn't do that. And they're like, technically, maybe you can. You shouldn't do that. I said, why? And they said, people want to just go to your site and read about the ingredients or something. And I'd say, well, then I'd tell them what the ingredients were. (laughs) Or they just want to know where to buy it. And I said, well, they'd give me their zip code. I'd tell them where to go buy it. It'd be fun. And the compromise was the Skype button. When Skype was, this is pre-Zoom and pre-Teams and pre a lot of other platforms. Skype was like the cutting edge at the time. And again, it's really worked out because I don't think you can outsource soul. And I do think just at the risk of repeating myself that people do have a bullshit meter. And if you can handle customer service 
yourself in a way that's not just responsive, but sometimes not about CX as we know it, but more like general UX, like engage with people, go onto social, write to people, write back to people, mm-hmm. engage. People can tell when it's canned nonsense or not. And once you start doing that in a genuine way, mm-hmm. magic happens. And I do think everyone's an advocate here at Hello. Everyone's got, I call it the friendly filter. <laughs> Does that feel right? Does it sound right? And if it doesn't, take a breath, take a beat, and let's rewind and Make sure it does feel right because we want people to feel something. If you write something, not everybody remembers what gets written. We've all heard podcasts or seen presentations with lots of bullet points on the slide. People don't really remember all the particulars. They remember how they feel. So we got to just make sure that whatever we're delivering is going to elicit a positive feeling in people about the product, about the brand, about Mm -hmm. the company. Um, And that scales if you do it right. I think Zappos, if they did anything, was that. The fact that they had their own people shoot the videos for every Mm -hmm. shoe that they had, like talking about the shoes and then taking a little walk in the shoes and explaining the the little technical ins and outs of the shoes, if there were any technical ins and outs, that's homegrown. Like that, none of it felt canned. It was cool. And I think stuff like that is, it's legit. It's great. It's what people want to see from their companies. They don't want anonymity. I like to say, hello, we're trying to make personal care personal again. And you can't do that and be invisible. You can't do that and be like, you have to send a note to 10 different groups before someone will get back to you. It's no, you can just hit live. (laughs) (laughs) I I will respond. Or call me. People call all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I give out my cell phone all the time. People are like, I can't believe you do that. I'm like, why wouldn't I? People are awesome. I've only had good things happen. If anyone wants to call me or text me, they can. It's 917-392-1000. And people ask me, they're like, how did you get such a good phone number? I'm like, I don't know if a phone number is good or not good. <laughs> I guess if it ends with some zeros, it falls into the good category. I went into the store and I made a joke about the phone number that I was given. I like made up a really like insane thing that it's seven numbers would spell when you do the whole numbers mm-hmm. as letters kind of thing. I and mean, I said, come on, I can't go through life with 917 blank. I won't tell you what it was, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, and, I, and it was pretty raunchy and it was pretty funny. <laughs> so I was like, come on, I just can't do that. If you were me, come on, would you want that? Would you want to have 917 blank? And I just made them crack up and they were like, <laughs> okay, like, let's see what we got. Ooh, what about this number? I was like, Really? I'll take it. It's been great. I've had people actually offer me money for my cell phone number. No, it's not that good. And it's okay. It's just a cell phone number. So yeah, call, write, text. And again, I think more good things happen and have for me, certainly when you put just positive thinking and vibes and openness out there, it's again, at the risk of sounding like a trite hippie or something, I'm not hippie and hopefully not trite either. Good things happen. People are awesome. So full circle yeah, on the people. P- people are awesome. You're, you know, again, Craig, you're awesome. Considering, and again, one for taking the time this morning, but more so to to provide the basis for how you lead your life, both personally and professionally. Again, there's no distinction between the two, and how you impress that on the people you work with, the, the people that buy or join. Hello. So this is great. And one thing, one 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 thought uh, that I want to leave you with, Craig, as I was again getting prepared for our conversation this morning. I just remember a an interview with Michael Caine, who played Alfred in Batman, and it was a 60 minutes interview. And I remember him saying, 
I tell my grandkids that I know Batman. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> and then my, my daughter, Sydney, who's turning six, loves the Hello Toothpaste. And my Aww. superhero is the guy who makes the toothpaste that she loves. So that, that's the analog between, wait, there's something Aww. here. So again, Craig, this has been tremendous. Again, I really do appreciate your time this morning. Oh, You've please. dispensed a Thank lot of you. great nuggets of wisdom, again, about doing good and giving back while, again, building businesses. I imagine you, I know that you're uh, an entrepreneur in residence, so you're yes, coming in contact. Yes. I mean, maybe this is our last thought or last question, but you're coming in contact with the next gen of entrepreneur or, or marketer. What, what's your one piece of wisdom that you dispense or, or provide them? I'm very fortunate all around and on so many levels, but I'm very fortunate I get opportunities to speak with, work with a whole bunch of students. So Babson, University of Rochester, the Simon School of Business, there's the AIM Center for Entrepreneurship. At Brown, there's a new entrepreneurship center, all sorts of schools. I've done things at Belmont University, Texas Christian University, NYU. I just did a thing a week ago around sustainability. So I'm very lucky I get to, to be around a lot of students. And the thing, if I impart anything, is have no fear of failure. You should only have fear of not trying Font. to make sure you try. And the other thing is, that's right. That's right. That's what I called it. Font. Yeah. There's no FOMO. It's just font fear of not trying. So you got to try and never waste anybody's time. Just know that's the one thing everybody wants. You want to be healthier. You want to be fill in the blank. Why do you want any of that? It's so you have more time, right? We care about the planet. Absolutely. So we have more time on it. So people we care about have more time on it. It's really all about time and making the time count. So I'm like, do the work. Like you said, well, I, I did this stuff preparing for our call today. You'd be amazed how many young people uh, that I meet sometimes don't do the work. They're doing the work mm -hmm. on themselves. And they tell me like, this is what I want. And I want this and I want this and I want this. And I said, you're going to talk to a company or you're going to talk to a supplier for your startup. Figure out what they mm -hmm. want like what other people want, what they need. And if you get that right, your thing, your life, your business will thrive because you're helping people do and achieve the things that they need to. So I, I share that a lot. Do the work up front and don't ask for much. And the other thing I say is take every meeting because you never know. People are amazing. Like I said, more good things have happened to me because I've shown up, I did the work, I wanted to meet people, I was open-minded and open-hearted, and more great things have happened because someone will say, oh, you need to meet this friend of mine. That's all you need to hear. There's, you don't need an agenda, what's in it for me. I can't even tell you how many things where people have said, like, why are you doing that? Why are you giving mm -hmm. that away? Why are you I'm like, you don't need an agenda. The world is miraculous and small. And the person, I tell this to students all the time, I'm like, get to know the, the people sitting right next to you because they're, all these people generally are within a certain number of years of one another in terms of their age. And I'm like, you're going to see five years from now, 10 years from now, you're going to be amazed at the power of the network you have if you create the network. And you can create the network based on nothing less than just saying hello and being kind and helpful to somebody next to you because people remember that stuff. And that's it. Just put good stuff out. You'll see what happens and take every meaning. You don't have to have a reason to take it. Someone says you need to meet somebody. Take it. it. <laughs> take it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is, this has been great, Craig. And uh, yeah, well, again, keep the conversation moving, continuing to, to give more than we take. 
And uh, really, again, really appreciate all these words of wisdoms and, and nuggets of insight to help the listeners improve their daily being. And daily- My pleasure. And thank you again so much for having me. And uh, don't forget to floss. And, and your daughter has incredible taste in, in toothpaste. That's just all I have to say. Yeah, she does. <laughs> all right. So thank you. Have thank a good you, one. Thank you. Okay. you too. Bye. And I think some people might have wanted a title because they were used to a trajectory career-wise. I was like, a career? What's that? I, I, I like these words just boggle my mind. I don't want a career. I want to have a life. Like, what do you do for a living? To me, is a loaded question. What do I do for a living? I breathe. <laughs> I eat. I make sure to hydrate. Right. Oh, you mean to pay the bills? Oh, like, why are those things separate? What you do to keep you alive versus what you do to pay the bills? Like, it should all be living. And when you start titling and labeling, again, it gets a little messy. So yeah, people, if I can't stress that anymore, right. <laughs> my head will explode. And when we started, like, how did I start thinking about people and business a little bit differently? I think that's part of what you're asking. And I have some fun examples, like apart from not wanting titles, there's a Skype button on the Hello website and it's real and it comes directly to me. And I turned it off now because we're talking, but I get pinged all the time from all over the world, actually. Yeah, I can't take that, this whole like working for people. When I started Hello, I didn't want any titles at all because I thought titles, again, are labels and Mm -hmm. they get in the way. Now, unfortunately, I had liberated quite a few folks from a very large organization when Hello was just, you know, a a tiny Mm -hmm. glimmer. And I think some people might have wanted a title because they were used to a trajectory career-wise. I was like, a career, what's that? I, I, I like these words just boggle my mind. I don't want a career. I want to have a life. Like, what do you do for a living? To me is a loaded question. What do I do for a living? I breathe. <laughs> I eat. I make sure to hydrate. Right. Oh, you mean to pay the bills? Oh, like, why are those things separate? What you do to keep you alive versus what you do to pay the bills? Like, it should all be living. And when you start titling and labeling, again, it gets a little messy. So yeah, people, if I can't stress that anymore, (laughs) my head will explode. And when we started, like, how did I start thinking about people and business a little bit differently? I think that's part of what you're asking. And I have some fun examples, like apart from not wanting titles, there's a Skype button on the Hello website and it's real and it comes directly to me. And I turned it off now because we're talking, but I get pinged all the time from all over the world, actually. Yeah, I can't take that, this whole like working for people. When I started Hello, I didn't want any titles at all because I thought titles, again, are labels and Mm -hmm. they get in the way. Now, unfortunately, I had liberated quite a few folks from a very large organization when Hello was just, you know, a a tiny Mm -hmm. glimmer. And I think some people might have wanted a title because they were used to trajectory career-wise. I was like, a career, what's that? I, I, I like these words just boggle my mind. I don't want a career. I want to have a life. Like, what do you do for a living? To me is a loaded question. What do I do for a living? I breathe. <laughs> I eat. I make sure to hydrate. Right. Oh, you mean to pay the bills? Oh, like, why are those things separate? What you do to keep you alive versus what you do to pay the bills? Like, it should all be living. And when you start titling and labeling, again, it gets a little messy. So yeah, people, if I can't stress that anymore, (laughs) my head will explode. And when we started, like, how did I start thinking about people and business a little bit differently? I think that's part Mm -hmm. of what you're asking. And I have some fun examples, like apart from not wanting titles, there's a Skype button on the Hello website and it's real and it comes directly to me. And I turned it off now (laughs) because we're talking, but I get pinged 
all the time from all over the world, actually. Yeah, I can't take that, this whole like working for people. When I started Hello, I didn't want any titles at all because I thought titles, again, are labels and Mm -hmm. they get in the way. Now, unfortunately, I had liberated quite a few folks from a very large organization when Hello was just, you know, a a tiny Mm -hmm. glimmer. And I think some people might have wanted a title because they were used to a trajectory career-wise. I was like, a career? What's that? I, 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 I like these words just boggle my mind. I don't want a career. I want to have a life. Like, what do you do for a living? To me, is a loaded question. What do I do for a living? I breathe. <laughs> I eat, I make sure to hydrate. Oh, you mean to pay the bills? Oh, like why are those things separate? What you do to keep you alive versus what you do to pay the bills. Like it should all be living. And when you start titling and labeling again, it gets a little messy. So yeah, people, if I can't stress that anymore, (laughs) my head will explode. And when we started, like how did I start thinking about people and business a little bit differently? I think that's part of what you're asking. And I have some fun examples, like apart from not wanting titles, there's a Skype button on the Hello website and it's real and it comes directly to me. And I turned it off now because we're talking, but I get pinged all the time from all over the world, actually. The reason why I think about Tony Shea and Zappos Mm -hmm. is because Tony Shea had this concept or this hypothesis that if you have a culture or business that is predicated on customer service, it's profit driving versus something that's profit dilutive. Some businesses think that customer service should be relegated to one part of the business, but he was showing that anyone who's empowered to be a, a forward-facing or, sorry, a people-facing person, I, okay. I call myself a people-facing <laughs> person, can make a tremendous impact both on the people they come in contact with as well as the people they work with. Do you think that's, one, I would love to get your perspective on that viewpoint, and two, can it be replicated? Can it be more art than science or science and art? I would say yes to all of it. So is it an important understatement, at least in my book? Because going back to, to something I, I mentioned before, this idea that people don't just buy things, they mm-hmm. join things. They want to feel connected to something. And not all customer service is about complaints. We get love letters from people. Who ever sent a love letter to their toothpaste company? Mm-hmm. The reason why I think about Tony Shea and Zappos mm-hmm. is because Tony Shea had this concept or this hypothesis that if you have a culture or business that is predicated on customer service, it's profit driving versus something that's profit dilutive. Some businesses think that customer service should be relegated to one part of the business, but he was showing that anyone who's empowered to be a a forward-facing or, sorry, a people-facing person, I I call myself a Mm people-facing person, can make a tremendous impact both on the people they come in contact with as well as the people they work with. Do you think that's, one, I would love to get your perspective on that viewpoint, and two, can it be replicated? Can it be more art than science or science than art? I would say yes to all of it. So is an important understatement at least in my book, because going back to, to something I, I mentioned before, this idea that people don't just buy things, mm-hmm. they join things. They want to feel connected to something. And not all customer service is about complaints. We get love letters from people. Who ever sent a love letter to their <laughs> toothpaste company? Mm-hmm. The reason why I think about Tony Shea and Zappos mm-hmm. is because Tony Shea had this concept or this hypothesis that if you have a culture or business that is predicated on customer service, it's profit driving versus something that's profit dilutive. 
some businesses think that customer service should be relegated to one part of the business, but he was showing that anyone who's empowered to be a, a forward-facing or, sorry, a people-facing person, I, okay. I call myself a people-facing mm-hmm. person, can make a tremendous impact both on the people they come in contact with as well as the people they work with. Do you think that's one, I would love to get your perspective on that viewpoint, and two, can it be replicated? Can it be more art than science? Or science and art? I would say yes to all of it. So is an important understatement, at least in my book, because going back to, to something I, I mentioned before, this idea that people don't just buy things, mm-hmm. they join things. They want to feel connected to something. And not all customer service is about complaints. We get love letters from people. Who ever sent a love letter to their toothpaste company? Mm-hmm. I imagine you, I know that you're uh, an entrepreneur in residence. So you're yes, coming in contact. Yes. I mean, maybe this is our last thought or last question, but you're coming in contact with the next gen of entrepreneur or, or marketer. What, what's your one piece of wisdom that you dispense or, or provide them? I'm very fortunate all around and on so many levels, but I'm very fortunate I get opportunities to speak with, work with a whole bunch of students. So Babson, University of Rochester, the Simon School of Business, there's the AIM Center for Entrepreneurship. At Brown, there's a new entrepreneurship center, all sorts of schools. I've done things at Belmont University, Texas Christian University, NYU. I just did a thing a week ago around sustainability. So I'm very lucky I get to, to be around a lot of students. And the thing, if I impart anything, is have no fear of failure. You should only have fear of not trying Font. to make sure you try. And the other thing is, that's right. That's right. That's what I called it. Font. Yeah. There's no FOMO. It's just font, fear of not trying. 